Back with the WMAY Morning News Feed. 145 school districts, Governor J.B. Pritzker and the Illinois State Board of Education being sued by hundreds of parents all across the state, including parents of uh, school kids and districts right here in Springfield area. Uh, that includes Chatham, Bald Districts being uh, sued, Porta and North Mac. Uh, just again, some of the school districts across the state part of this very large lawsuit. Uh, one of the guys behind the lawsuit, Attorney Thomas DeVore, uh, we join him now on WMAY. Uh, Tom, thanks for taking time with us this morning. How you doing out there after filing a uh, hundreds of pages of lawsuits? <laughs> I'm well, thank you. So um, I guess give us the uh, the upshot here. What, uh, what are you guys seeking uh, from this lawsuit from uh, 145 school districts, the governor and Isby? Well, it's the same thing we've been seeking for the last couple of months, Greg, and, and other uh, individual school district cases. It's really twofold. It's one that the school district has no authority themselves or through the, you know, trying to bootstrap onto some authority that these state agencies or the governor might believe they have to force children to wear a mask. And if they don't wear a mask, they're going to, uh, you know, not let the child to come into the school and be educated as well as they're excluding these kids from school because they're an alleged close contact based upon some of the most flimsiest set of circumstances you'd ever see, all of that not being within their authority and them not being able to do it. So we've been successful in individual courts on behalf of individual school districts uh, on a variety of occasions here recently, and so this is just a, a you know building upon that. Yeah, it seems to be an extension of some of the other cases where you've secured temporary restraining orders against school districts from enforcing uh, quarantine without an official quarantine order. Um, talk about the importance of due process in all of this, because that's something you've highlighted in the previous uh, cases, uh, and uh, it's something I think uh, some people may uh, forget to remember from time to time. Uh, why is due process so important? in this overall uh, situation? Well, it's what it's all about, Greg. You know, people that, that, that are ignorant, and I say that in its strictest sense of the meaning, not being critical, they don't appreciate any of these things. And so uh, they break it down to, well, you don't like masks. And I don't care about masks. I don't, it, it's got nothing to do with it. It's about due process of whether or not things can be compelled upon a citizen without them having any opportunity to object. That's what all of this is about. So as it relates to a mask, a mask is being compelled upon people allegedly to limit the spread of this infectious disease. Uh, whether or not that actually is true, we could quibble about because the school districts that have not had mask requirements for almost a month now have not seen any change uh, in increased positivity. In fact, they went down. But set all that aside. If people don't want their children to be engaging in this type of medical intervention, they should have the opportunity to object unless – the legislative branch of government potentially has passed a law, which is not done. So the due process as it relates to exclusion from school is the same analysis, and it's imperative that parents have the opportunity to object and to say we don't want to have these things happen to us because the school district or the executive branch is trying to tell us that there has to be a law in place. And the laws that are in place right now give people due process rights to object, and that's the argument we're making.
8.15 now on the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop. We're talking with Attorney Thomas DeVore. He is uh, one of the attorneys behind the case where uh, 145 school districts are being sued by hundreds of parents all across the state uh, over mask and uh, quarantine mandates, uh, seeking due process in all of this. Uh, Tom, it's not just you. You've got uh, a team uh, behind you. Uh, talk a bit about, um, uh, I guess, all the work that goes into something like this and how this a case came together. Well, the, again, it's not just me. I've got two dedicated staff people at my office that have worked tirelessly taking uh, so many phone calls that it was causing them stress. And, you know, and so people, uh, that, you know, calling the office or being passionate, emotional, I get to that. So they've worked hard. There's also other lawyers in our firm that work in the background with this, that help with it. Uh, their names are on the pleading, but, you know, they're not the ones traveling across the state. It's usually me doing that. So, but yeah, there's other people that have been helping too, and I and I've been working, and we've been in the background collaborating with a lot of lawyers across the state that have been starting to step up now. And you've seen some of those cases coming. I mean, there that's happening. So yeah, it's not just me in any fashion working on this. Even though I'm out front, there's a lot of people that without them, I wouldn't be able to help these people do this. Tom, uh, some people critical of you and the things you're doing here uh, point to uh, money and uh, how this uh, this seems to be a big payday for you. Uh, respond to that. Yeah, well, one, those people don't know me, and they probably, at the end of the day, disagree with the principles within this lawsuit, so they just look for a way to attack uh, me, and I don't care. But the, the short version is, Greg, is that once the appellate court in the 5th Appellate District down here in Illinois said that the governor needed to be a party and these state agencies needed to be a party. At that point in time, there were about eight or ten of these cases that I had brought. And if people think it's about money, they don't know me very well because the practice that I was engaging in and do still engage in before this ever started, uh, I I didn't need the money. So it's never been about the money. And my friends that know me well would tell me to quit doing this because it's, it's too much. But but what happened, Greg, is then once the Fifth Appellate Court said the governor and these agencies needed to be parties, there were conversations you know, about centralizing it into one county with the attorney general's office because I agree and we agreed that having these cases in, in various different counties when now the, the state agencies and the governor involved don't make any sense. We need to pull them all into one. And so we didn't have any disagreement. So once that was decision was made because of the appellate court ruling, then the conversation came where people were calling my office asking me, they were still calling and asking even before the appellate court made that decision, uh, they wanted to have a case like this of their own. And I wasn't calling anybody. I wasn't doing anything. These people were blowing my phone up to the point that, that I had to shut social media down for a while. But So then I decided, okay, that I'm going to give other parent groups the opportunity to join because we were going to centralize in one location. It would be manageable. And when that happened, I had no expectation that, you know, people would call and call and call just, you know, asking. And if this was ever about money with me, there wouldn't be 145 school districts. I could have, you know, we could have had 300 school districts because there was no limitation to the people that were calling wanting to be a part of this. So it's never been about money. It was about trying to help as many people as I can help within the, 
limitations of my time, and, and that's what we're doing. We're talking with Attorney Thomas DeVore here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Um, talk a bit, I guess, about uh, how at least some of the other cases, not this one, the one with 145 school districts uh, being sued, uh, but you have other ones uh, that uh, are kind of one-off for either a group of kids at one district and you know uh, an entire district being enjoined from requiring masks in another district, uh, but those are temporary restraining orders, right? Tell us a bit about the process here of how that's uh, going to play out. Well, a temporary restraining order, is, 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 again, I don't need to get into the technical rules. It can be good for in certain circumstances up to 30 days. Once that order is entered, and then there has to be a hearing set for a preliminary injunction. Preliminary injunctions are procedurally a little different. But, you know, once you go to the preliminary injunction stage, unless there's some reason that the court would then uh, not grant the preliminary injunction, even though they granted the temporary restraining order, it's possible. But to the extent they don't and they, again, convert the restraining order into an injunction, then that temporary injunction will last until the court eventually has a hearing on the merits of the underlying declaratory judgment case. So the uh, the other cases, again, the one right now that we have still is the Hillsborough School District in Montgomery County. They've been under uh, in a temporary restraining order where they can't require mass of children to uh, at any time on school property. And hey, again, people need to appreciate. Just ask them to consider, and I don't care what their position is on masking; it's irrelevant. If you look at the numbers at this whole school district for the last month, there's been no increase in positivity of students in this school. None. It actually went down. And so there's a conversation to be had of whether or not there is a nexus between putting a mask on a child for this six hours a day and then the rest of the time is irrelevant, and whether that really has any benefit for reduced spread of this disease. It's a conversation that people should be having. Tom, finally here, uh, the governor reacting to lawsuits uh, over masks, and uh, surely on these airwaves, listeners have called in uh, to share uh, similar types of sentiments, saying that uh, what you're doing is irresponsible and putting people in danger. (laughs) Uh, Again, you know, I, I, like many other people, are experts in human communication. I understand how it works. And so these folks, for their own good reasons, and I'm not going to criticize them, their own good reasons, look for any argument they can make to marginalize these positions my clients take, right? That, that's what they do. But you'll never hear any of them ever speak to the legality of it, which is what we're talking about. If, and again, I don't say this much, but I'm going to say it right now, Greg. If people think that this masking issue and trying to control the spread of this disease with a 99-point-something percent uh, survival rate, if that is so necessary that we're willing to destroy the very fabric of which how we govern ourselves, then I'm going to disagree with those people because the fabric of how we govern ourselves through the deliberative branch of government being the legislature, if we're going to abandon that. For this reason, the very essence of how this country is created and is going to continue is going to be destroyed, and we have to stop that. If the legislative branch of government wants to – they're in session right now – pass a law that puts the things that Governor Pritzker has been trying to do through executive fiat into place, and I'll leave them alone because that's how it's supposed to be done. So quit talking about masks and whether a mask may help or not and start talking about how our executive – is trying to legislate from his office because that risk is, in my opinion and the opinion of millions of people, exponentially a bigger potential disaster than this infectious disease. That's what I got to say.